Hello and welcome in to the inaugural edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of Mile High Sports and now of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. This is the new Denver Nuggets podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And if you guys somehow don't know and have missed out on all of it, Blue Wire Podcast is essentially following a model that has been functioning extremely well for a couple other people, which is putting actual reporters who are on the ground for respective teams in front of a microphone to podcast regularly about the team that they cover. So that's what Blue Wire Podcast mission is. They're adding podcasts all over the nation for all manners of different sports. So whether it's Sam Esfandari and and Andy Liu doing the Light Years podcast, Justin Rowan and Carter Rodriguez doing the Chase Down podcast, Pete Zayas doing the Lakers Film Room podcast, or me doing the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. There are multiple different fantastic reporters of all different kinds and varieties, whether it's written content, whether it's, you know, podcast specific like I'm doing, whether it's just editorials and calls. There's so many versatile different types of thought processes on this podcast network. And for me, I am incredibly excited to get started with this group. There are going to be big, big things in the future. You're going to end up seeing a lot of these Blue Wire podcasters on NBA 2K in your social media feed. You're going to see us popping up doing podcasts together. I'm going to be having um, different player interviews and executive interviews and things like that on the podcast. I'll be covering the ins and outs of everything Denver Nuggets. I'll be doing this show four to five times a week during the season and three times during the offseason. Um, it's going to be a ton of fun. I love the Blue Wire podcast brand. I love what they have built. I'm very excited to really get into this and start making this podcast so much better for the for who it matters for, the listeners of the show. So this podcast is only going to get better and better. So what once was the Denver Nuggets daily podcast has now grown into the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, which will just continually provide better and better coverage of the Denver Nuggets. So we're going to get into all kinds of fun things. Um, First of all, I wanted to explain a little bit of the confusion that may have started from the very beginning. This podcast, the name that was originally chosen was a name that had already been used for a podcast platform that had not been utilized since last June, which is fine because everyone has their own processes and how they use their podcast, but because of that, there was a slight oversight and technical difficulties to get this podcast rebranded. But now, as of Monday morning of October 7th in the year 2019, the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast lives and will continue to grow from this point forward. So thank you guys who have stuck with me throughout the Denver Nuggets podcast days all the way up until now. Thank you guys who have supported my work on milehighsports.com. That is actually where this podcast will continue to live as well. You will see this podcast posted frequently on the milehighsports.com webpage and thanks to all the listeners of all kinds whether it's from twitter or instagram or who has read my work on mile high or listen to my podcasts wherever they may have existed this is all for you guys thank you guys so much for supporting me and allowing me to grow as a podcaster as a reporter as a writer myself and this is just the next step forward in that exact same journey so this is going to be nothing but fun i cannot wait to get into it we're gonna have so much good stuff coming out and i'm gonna eventually get into later in this podcast i want to break down training camp um because of the technical difficulties i had not been able to podcast throughout training camp so i'm going to entirely recap training camp 
which actually surprisingly did not have a whole lot of narratives or talking points to come off of. Um, but we'll talk about what was there to take away from training camp in addition to basically teasing what is to come later on in this podcast down the line and what you can expect from me. Before getting into all of that, though, we're going to take our first break, give you a quick word about Axios Sports and their newsletter before diving into everything that has to do with training camp. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in all sports is almost impossible, but scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up and it's free. Go to sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, but you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And the best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is a free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Axios.com. Again, try for free 99 at sports.axios.com. Let's talk about training camp because there wasn't a ton of narratives to take away that were new or exciting, but there were developments in the ones that we were already expecting, whether you're just a fan, whether you're a reporter, whatever it may be. Of course, the first and foremost of the conversation is going to be the battle for the starting small forward position. Back during media day, Michael Malone had proclaimed the starting small forward position an open competition, and then he proceeded to name four names in which would battle for the spot. One, the incumbent, Will Barton, who had started the season last year as the starting forward. Uh, number two, Tory Craig, who had finished the year as the starting small forward in the playoffs, replacing Will Barton. Uh, number three, Juan Hernan Gomez, the gold medalist from the FIBA World Cup and the world champion Spanish national team. And lastly, potential rookie of the year candidate Michael Porter Jr. So those are the four names. Um, some very notable omissions from those names are one, Malik Beasley, who was extremely productive in his time as a starting small forward when players got hurt. Um, and then also Jeremy Grant. Before we go any further, let's just quickly talk about why those two were omitted. First of all, the Nuggets plan to play Jeremy Grant seemingly specifically at power forward and center. He might get some very sparse small forward minutes here or there. They might end up closing with him at small forward and, uh, down the line. Who knows? but he is not in this race. The Nuggets do not view him as a potential starting small forward on this team. The other interesting omission is, of course, Malik Beasley, and Michael Malone had an interesting discussion as to why he is not including Malik Beasley in this conversation. Harrison Wind of DNVR asked him why he isn't included in that, and Michael Malone basically said, you know, we're not disincluding him, but they view him as a two-guard because of his size, and Michael Malone noted that they would be the smallest backcourt in the league if they had 
Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and Malik Beasley at 1, 2, and 3. I found that very surprising because 1, Will Barton and Malik Beasley are virtually the same size. 2, Malik Beasley is arguably the most athletic player on the roster, whether you're talking about horizontal quickness or vertical explosion. And 3, he's proved that he can play it before. Um, he is way behind Malik Beasley in terms of his defensive ability and defending small forwards would be an issue, which is something Michael Malone had spoke about. But again, if you're going to compare him to the other players on this list, specifically Will Barton, who again is the incumbent, that is a surprising statement. But I'm not here to basically try and just you know tear apart Michael Malone's comments as to why Malik Beasley is not in the running. The simple fact of the matter is, is that Malik Beasley is not in the running. So let's talk about the four players who are in the running. And let's start with the incumbent, Will Barton, who has had a less than ideal circumstances to start the season. So he entered training camp dealing with what... I have been told is a hamstring injury, what Michael Malone called something like a groin or an ankle or a hip or a knee, which basically means Malone was messing with us. And then Will Barton on media day, when asked if he was fully healthy, said, you'll see with a very coy tone in his voice. So I don't know what to expect from Will Barton. To take this a step further, he was asked about the open competition at Small Forward by Mike Singer of the Denver Post, and he proceeded to say that he did not know that it was an open competition and that no one had told him that with a big smirk on his face. So I have no idea if Will Barton is just trolling everybody. I have no idea how real Will Barton is being about this. What I do know is that the first couple days of camp, Will Will Barton did not play with very much contact at all. The third day of camp, which was essentially, uh, oh, sorry, the fourth day of camp, which was essentially just a, su- a pseudo shoot around, he went through all of shoot around and then proceeded to play in their open scrimmage. And it seems like he's going to be a full go for Portland. That is not confirmed yet. On Monday morning, which is probably when you're listening to this podcast, we're, there's going to be a Nuggets practice where we'll get more clarification on where Will Barton is at. But to come into camp as the as the original starter at the small forward position, Will Barton had his stock fall because he was not able to start out fast because of that hamstring issue. So that is an interesting part of this. Will Barton not being able to prove himself did him nothing but a disservice. This is a player who missed three months of the year last year because he had his first major injury and his first ever surgery. The guy never even had his wisdom teeth taken out to losing his starting spot in the in the in the playoffs because he was not able to be a consistent player to now coming into training camp finally ready to prove himself getting this hamstring injury and immediately being set back once again that has allowed the likes of Tory Craig and Wancho Hernan Gomez and Michael Porter Jr to immediately insert them into the conversation and improve their odds as potential starting small forwards so nothing that Will Barton has done has hurt him despite the fact that he has not been able to play enough. He's been fine when he has been playing. He's been in the gym during the offseason working with guys and things like that. When I talked to him earlier in the summer, he had told me he was pretty much back to healthy and was at the point to where he was playing five on five with guys. So Barton is improving. Barton has shown the right things, but starting out behind the eight ball is going to hurt him. So who has it benefited the most? I think the easiest answer here is going to be Tory Craig, who, in my opinion, as of right now, as of October 7th, Monday morning at 6.12 a.m., because I'm a psychopath, I'm awake for some reason, Tory Craig has emerged as the 
most likely starting small forward, in my opinion. So Will Barton being out has allowed Torrey Craig to get minutes with the starting unit. It has allowed Torrey Craig to continually prove that he has improved as a shooter. Uh, he spoke at length about how he had focused on his corner three shooting this offseason. This is the player who, from the end of the All-Star break through the playoffs, led the Nuggets in three-point percentage and was in the top five in the NBA in that point. He shot like 44% from three in those last 30 or so games. So if Torrey Craig is actually able to be a consistent three-point shooter, I don't find... If he can be a 37-38% three-point shooter consistently, not 44% for a month, not 12% for another month, not 35% for a month, and then 39% for a month. I'm talking a consistent 37-38% to three-point shooter. I don't know how you can start anybody else at small forward on day one. Because, first of all, his defense and toughness and physicality is just supremely more gifted than anybody else in this conversation. Will Barton and Wancho do not have the defensive chops, the physical ability, and the toughness that Torrey Craig has. Michael Porter Jr. has the size and the length to be disruptive defensively, but he's a rookie. Rookies are always abysmal on the defensive end of the floor. So when you add him, the toughness, the physicality, the unrelenting energy, and then you sprinkle in the fact that he can be a slightly above average three-point shooter, I don't know how you can start anybody else a small forward. Then, as the cherry on top of advantages that Torrey Craig has uh, over the other three potential candidates for the starting small forward role, you have the fact that Torrey Craig has the most trust of Michael Malone of these four players and that's somewhat speculative by me it's kind of anecdotal but sure Will Barton has been the guy but he has been so inconsistent in recent times Wancho Hernan Gomez was a 40% three-point shooter through December 19th or whatever the date was and was a 14% three-point shooter from that point forward when he was hurt while he was hurt the whole year prior we know Will Barton in and out of the lineup Michael Porter Jr. a rookie Torrey Craig is the most trustworthy and has Malone's trust right now over the rest of that so again, toughness, physicality, ability to defend four different positions, unrelenting energy that manifests itself in 50-50 balls and, on the, and, and as a rebounder, then you add in the trust of Michael Malone and a slightly above average three-point shot, I don't know how you can start anybody other than Torrey Craig. The other player that has been mentioned in this conversation has been Juancho Hernan Gomez, which is surprising to me. It's not that I don't think Juancho's a good player. I think he's a very good player. I think there's a lot of ways that he can help this Denver Nuggets team. But Will Barton is a better offensive player than him. He has more skills. Yes, Juancho is a better pure shooter, but Will Barton can play off the bounce. Will Barton can get to his shot whenever he needs to. He can run multiple dribble handouts with Nikola Jokic. He can spot up off ball. He can cut to the rim. He can finish at the rim. He can finish in the mid-range. He can finish from three-point land off the bounce or off the catch. There are so many other things that Will Barton brings to the table offensively that Wancho Hernan Gomez does not. Additionally, Wancho Hernan Gomez has been deceived defensively and has not been able to contain his man on the perimeter for the majority of his career, which means he's immediately behind Torrey Craig as well. So, According to Michael Malone's list, Juancho Hernan Gomez seems to be still in the running, but he seems extremely unlikely as a potential starter, in my opinion. You're talking about him as just as likely, if not less likely, than Michael Porter Jr., who was a rookie and not ready yet, who we should probably talk about next. Michael Porter Jr., he... This is tough because everything that has come out of media day, everything that has come out of training camp, everything that has come out, period, about Michael Porter Jr. has everything to do with the fact that, wow, he's so much more mature than we thought. Wow, he's been getting some time with the ones. Wow, he's 
developing a relationship with Nikola Jokic. Wow, he understands the role that he needs to fill. All of these things may have been surprising. That does not mean that he is ready to start at small forward for the championship contending Denver Nuggets from day one, despite the fact that he has played three games in college since high school. None of that makes any sense to me. It's not fair to Michael Porter. It's not fair to the Nuggets. It's not fair to the fans to expect that. So yes, Michael Porter Jr. has done so many things correct, which I will talk about extensively later on in this show, but he should not be the starter on day one. Either should Wancho Hernan Gomez. I don't think Wancho is the guy to start. I think if Torrey Craig's three-point shot falls off a cliff and Will Barton isn't ready, you can start him, but that's because he's your fail-safe. That's not because he's the guy that you want starting at three. But Michael Porter Jr. has just of bad odds, in my opinion. I don't see I don't see a reason to start Michael Porter Jr. yet. It just doesn't make sense. And allowing him to play off the bench with a guy like Monte Morris, who is so steady, so controlled, it can really show him the ropes and keep him engaged and help him understand the speed of the game on an NBA floor in an NBA competitive game, that would be such an easier way to slowly bring him along against bench backup small forwards. So we'll see what happens, but Let's talk about what Michael Porter Jr. has done well to keep his name in this conversation for the small forward battle. Um, so first of all, his growth as a just as a person, as a man mentally, his his ability to understand what he needs to do and how to not overly exert himself, that's been something very surprising for me. I'll talk about his maturity at length in his second year, but he is looking like he is significantly more mature than I would have imagined. Additionally, this also helps him a lot in his potential candidacy for the starting small forward role, and that is that Nikola Jokic has taken a very real interest. Um, I'll tease this right now. The next Next podcast I'm dropping on Tuesday night um, or Tuesday morning, Monday night. I will have a quick five-minute exclusive conversation with Michael Porter Jr. at the end of the podcast. Um, I'll also have a story dropping at some point on Monday as well about how Michael Porter Jr. has really bought in to what the Nuggets are selling him. Yes, he's buying into their team construct. Yes, he's buying into the schemes. Well, yada, 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 as most rookies do. What Michael Porter Jr. is doing is he's listening to the coaching staff as it pertains to him, as it pertains to learning how to be an off-ball player, as it pertains to being mature, and knowing that he has to come to work every day and grow as a man and as a player and all of these different things. His maturity level has spiked in in a big level, but he also said when I spoke to him, that Nikola Jokic has been has taken a real interest in him and has been talking to him and has been in his ear about where to be and how to find his spots and how to how to never stop moving, where to set picks, how to be able to cut to the rim and be the quote-unquote best cutter on the team. There are so many interesting things that Nikola Jokic adds to the equation if he really does take an interest in Michael Porter Jr., which he really seems to be able to do. And again, Michael Porter Jr. understands what he needs to do for this team to be able to get the most out of this season and that is be a lethal off-ball threat, whether it's as a shooter, whether it's as a cutter, whatever it may be. Be a very, very impactful rebounder at the small forward position. Use his length as a defender to be disruptive and to contain on the perimeter. Things like that. That is what is going to make him a functional piece, an asset for this championship contending Nuggets team to vault themselves into the category of, wow, we have to take this Nuggets team seriously. Not in the regular season, not just in the first or second round of the playoffs, but as a Western Conference finalist team, as an NBA finalist team. 
So that's really going to be interesting. But let's talk about his maturity because, again, when I spoke to him for those five minutes one-on-one, I was blown away by, first of all, not just how candid he was, but by how aware of what he needs to do and what ways he needs to grow as a person. And that, for me, has been the talk of camp is his seemingly perfect mental approach to his rookie season. And for me, this goes back to his ability to be a redshirt rookie in the NBA. His ability to throw out his first year and to learn what it's like to travel with an NBA team, to learn what it's like to work out with an NBA team and get an idea of the speed of the game, to put on muscle, to understand the scheme, to get into Michael Malone's head and understand what he wants him from a coaching point of view, to get to know his teammates better on and off of the court. All of those things that he has been able to do has perfectly equipped him for what is to come in the 2019-20 season. He has said multiple times that there are going to be ups and downs. Michael Malone has said multiple times that there have been ups and downs. He has said that he needs to worry about his defense and off-ball offense. Michael Malone has said he needs to worry about his defense and off-ball offense. Michael Malone has spoken about the fact that he needs to be unselfish. Michael Porter Jr. spoke about the fact that he needs to be unselfish. So the mirror image of what the Nuggets have said they need from him and what he says the Nuggets need from him has been so inspiring for just what we can hope the Nuggets are going to be able to get out of Michael Porter Jr. Of course, none of this matters if he can't stay healthy. I don't want to immediately include that in the conversation because there is so much positivity to go off of right now, but the most important thing for Michael Porter Jr. is staying healthy, but so long as he can stay healthy, he is being groomed by an extremely professional organization who wants the best for him, not just on the court, but off the court, which has allowed the Nuggets to create this balance between keeping his confidence high, because Michael Porter Jr. needs to keep his confidence high. Again, he's played three college games since high school. That's all he's played of competitive basketball in three years. So keeping his confidence high but making it utterly aware, you know, it's it's impossible to miss the fact that he has to improve in particular ways, that he has to grow more mature, that he has to grow mentally to be the correct player that the Nuggets need him to be. So that balance that they have struck, the fact that Michael Porter Jr. and the Nuggets coaching staff knows there will be highs and lows and that they will provide confidence anyway, the fact that Michael Malone said on media day that they have to find a way to play this guy because of his talent level, the fact that Michael Mo- or that the fact that Michael Porter has said, I understand that I cannot come in and take 20 shots a game and assert myself onto the game with the ball in my hands like I'm used to doing. They are everybody, it seems to be in lockstep with each other in terms of what Michael Porter Jr. can bring, what he needs to bring, what he needs to focus on, and which ways he needs to grow. And this is not just from coaching staff and front office to Michael Porter Jr. This is the rest of the team, too. Many others have spoken out about how well he has performed and and how mentally ready Michael Porter Jr. seems to be. Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumlee, Michael Malone, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Monte Morris, and others have all spoken out about how impressed they have been with Michael Porter Jr.'s uh, maturity, his ability to listen, learn, and grow, and not be so 
I don't want to say egotistical, but I'm going to use the term because it was a term that was used a lot during his draft process, a term that I have used during his draft process, that from what I had heard about him, that he was a bit of an egotistical prima donna in particular ways. Now that I have gotten a chance to talk to him and see him and talk to other players about him and coaching staffs about him, that does not seem to be the case at all anymore. And that's an important distinction to make, in my opinion. So that to me is very... Very important. His maturity level has spiked in a way that I did not expect, which should manifest itself in a better play on the court because of the ways that he has matured. It doesn't seem like he's just saying the right things. It really doesn't. He feels self-aware. It seems like he knows what he needs to do, and it seems like being away from basketball for the better part of three years has reignited a flame within him to be the best player he can be, not already think he is the best player on the court. So... That's all I got for the first segment. Um, I know that was a long-winded process. We're already 30 minutes into this podcast almost, but I'm going to take a quick break, and we will be back to talk about just some other training camp takeaways you know, on a more broader scale. have been shaving for thousands of years and the secret to a great shave it hasn't changed much the ancient greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles and neither do you that's why harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors they focus on delivering what actually matters sharp durable blades at a fair price if you guys know of me you know i have a beard but still i love harry's because it gives me a close shave where i need it easy glide and it's a low price do us a favor and check us out at harrys.com slash blue wire for your free trial today again that's harrys.com slash blue wire all one word so why harrys harrys is a return to the essential quality durable blades at a fair price just two dollars per blade harrys is is just super convenient blade refills are delivered directly to your door on schedule with or without a subscription and there's no risk to you trying them out if you don't love your shave just let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Now, this is what we need to do. Listeners of my show, listeners of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast can redeem Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash blue wire. Again, that is harrys.com slash blue wire, all one word. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Again, go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. back in let's just talk about the rest of some you know broader training camp takeaways from what had happened during camp um again there wasn't a whole lot of concrete narratives to be able to dissect other than that starting small forward role and the fact that michael porter jr has come along very nicely but that doesn't mean we can't look at some interesting takeaways that may have happened 
one of the big ones is that every single player that was asked during camp if anybody had stood out, every single one of them said everybody came back better. I know it's the cliche that at training camp, everyone talks about how they came back better and they improved so much in the offseason and they gained, you know, such and such amount of muscle and all of these things are all happy and go lucky. Much of the watch season is in full effect as of right now. But the fact that like five or six different Nuggets players said that every single player came back better was notable to me because not everybody's going to say that. It's, you know, it's easy to say, oh, you know, my my, my buddy Jared Vanderbilt has looked a lot better to give your boy a shout out to the media. That's a lot easier to do than the fact that every single player, so that every single player came back better. So I decided, let's just look at the players who came back better and in what ways they came back better. Gary Harris, this was the most interesting one to me, because if you've lift, listened to the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast from, you know, the past, which is now the Rocky Mountain Hoops Podcast, um, I have spoken about that I think Gary Harris has had so many lower body injuries because he still lifts like a football player and comes in with just too much weight on his body of muscle. Not that he's out of shape, not that he's fat in any way or anything like that. He lifts so hard that he comes back too heavy in muscle to be able to play as athletically vertical as he can be and with as much lift on his jumper and things like that so this year I had still been thinking about this as I always do because last year Gary Harris had four lower body injuries um when he came back and the Nuggets had talked about Gary Harris whether it was Michael Malone or whoever it may be they spoke about how Gary Harris is lighter this offseason how he had focused on not lifting as much and that was immediately like it was one of those things where I almost like threw my hands in the air because I had been thinking about this theory for like three years but it seems like I was pretty damn close it seems like Gary Harris was carrying too much muscle so I'm now hyper interested to see if a slimmer and lighter Gary Harris means that he can still be be a strong finisher at the rim. I have no doubt he'll still be able to shoot, but I'm curious how his finishing ability will translate and how his defensive ability will translate with a little bit less muscle on him. But if he can stay on the court and not get hurt all year and not be in a and and you know get thrown off of his rhythm entirely, that's a huge win for Denver. I don't I full stop, it's a huge win for Denver. Having Gary Harris more often than not having Gary Harris is a win, even if you lose 5% off of his ability to finish at the rim or just keep guys in front of him, which is probably less than 5% to be entirely honest. So Gary Harris is healthy. Gary Harris is lighter. Gary Harris is ready to go. As I said earlier, Torrey Craig seems to be a much improved shooter. He said he focused on hitting corner threes all summer because that's the shot he most often gets. He said he broke down a ton of film this offseason and he realized that the majority of his three-pointers are coming from the corner, so he really focused his summer on hitting those corner threes. And now that training camp is now officially over, a big part of the talk of camp has been that Torrey Craig's three-point shooting has seemingly improved quite a bit. So it's going to be interesting to see how his shot able to translates. Uh, Michael Malone said he's not going to get too excited about September or training camp or preseason. He wants to see it on a consistent, sustained basis, and that is with everybody else. Um, Again, as I said earlier, Michael Porter Jr. seems to be much more mentally prepared and ready to begin his first NBA season and seems much more mature. Paul Millsap is having an extremely underrated camp. He is said to be in the best shape of his life. He said that himself at Media Day, which again, everybody says around training camp and Media Day, but 
in my opinion, his role is still so hyper-important to this Nuggets team. Yes, they have Jeremy Grant now, but they need someone who is able to be Michael Malone's eyes and ears on the defensive end of the floor on the court. And Paul Millsap is that player. He just has been there and done everything. He knows when the Nuggets need to do a particular thing. He is just so much more aware on the court of what needs to happen mentally for the Nuggets than in any of their young players. Sure, Nikola Jokic can see six steps ahead on the offensive end of the floor at any given time, but Paul Millsap knows when Jamal Murray needs a touch. Paul Millsap knows when they've just been you know, sagging a little bit too much when they're trying to fight over screens. Paul Millsap sees the nuanced, minute of detail, he doesn't just see the broader picture, which is extremely important when you're in the fire of an NBA game. So having Paul Millsap be in the best shape of his life, having Paul Millsap so uh, dialed in to this team, and to be that veteran wisdom that they need is so important, and the fact that we're hearing nothing but positive things about where Paul Millsap is after camp is nothing but positive. Um, Jeremy Grant seems to be getting into the swing swing of things, and I think what's important about Jeremy Grant is that he just wants to to fill the most important role that he can fill, and that seems to be willingness to play off the bench, be just a freakish defender for this team, and be an offensive finisher. Whether you're catching shooting from three, whether you're finishing lobs at the rim, whether you're attacking closeouts and making plays for others, be a off-ball finisher at the rim and from the three-point line, and if the defense sells out on you, make a play for another teammate, and that seems to be exactly what he has been doing. Um, with Jeremy Grant, there's not a whole lot to look at or how much he got better. Uh, Monte Morris did tell me that his handles are improved and that that's the one big offensive part of his game that people haven't seen that you're likely going to see on this Nuggets team with the way that they play. So if there's a place that he has improved, I would say the handles that we have seen yet, but it just seems like he's getting into the swing of things for how the Nuggets do things. Um, Malik Beasley also seemingly, from what it seems like, willingly lost weight as well. He looks thinner, and I don't know if that's a good thing. We'll see. I I don't have a whole lot of takeaways from him. What I do know is that he's been shooting the lights out as well. He won the first shooting contest and has a championship belt to show for it. Um, Malik Beasley seems to be improving. I'm very curious to see how his defense is. That's going to be the most important improvement of his, of his, um, of just his skill set of what he needs to show to be that upper echelon player that he can potentially be. Monte Morris has grown with his bench unit, whether it's getting 60-plus games in with Jeremy Grant on his team, whether it's learning to play with all the different wings, Michael Porter Jr. and all of them. Um, he looks stronger. He looks more prepared. Hopefully, he can continue to be the shooter that he was last season, but Monte Morris just seems better across the board. Uh, Jamal Murray, this is a very interesting one. Michael Malone had talked to him about changing up his off-season regiment to try and find a way to get out to a bigger or to a quicker start. Michael Malone basically said, "We want you to be more focused and more attentive to what you need to work on during the off-season." So I found that was very interesting, and I'm very and it seems like he's responded. The other thing is that. He was challenged to be more of a leader by Michael Malone as well. On Media Day, Michael Malone spoke about the fact that Isaiah Thomas's voice is gone. Yes, Isaiah Thomas only played nine games, but for people who weren't around, you don't realize how important his leadership value was off the court. So Jamal Murray has some big shoes to fill in that way, and it seems like he is growing into that more of a leader type of a role, which is exactly how Nikola Jokic has grown. 
uh, in addition to challenging Jamal Murray to be a leader, Michael Malone also challenged Nikola Jokic to be more of a leader. And Paul Millsap has been vocally very impressed with what my uh, with what Nikola Jokic has been able to do as a leader. And it seems like he has grown into more of that role. It's it's not going to be an easy process. Nikola Jokic is not the kind of guy to really get on someone. It seems like, but it seems like he is taking steps to become more of that leader type player. And a big part of his progression has been the fact that he has been in Michael Porter Jr.'s ear seemingly every step of the way through training camp, which is so important to potentially building that chemistry between the two of them as the years go along. Because of course, Michael Porter Jr.'s talent level is insane. So being able to get a healthy version of him who is already on the same page as Nikola Jokic can only do good things. Um, Some honorable mentions, Jared Vanderbilt has been mentioned multiple times as a player who has improved across the board. His jump shot looks better. Will Barton noted that his athleticism is coming back. He seems to be able to um, slow down a little bit and let the game come to him. Uh, Vlako Chanchar is getting his feet wet and has been playing well, and Juancho Hernan Gomez has been shooting well and showing that he can still help this team somehow as well. So it's really interesting the fact that pretty much everybody on this Nuggets team has come back better, and I'm going to be very interested to see how that continues to develop throughout the preseason because there are a lot of interesting players in the preseason like Jared Vanderbilt, like Vlako Chanchar, like to see where Wancho is at, and of course Michael Porter Jr. Let's move on, though. I want to talk about, lastly, the continuity that this Nuggets team has, because also, a lot of these Nuggets players have spoken out about the fact that the continuity is seemingly spilled over from last year into this year, which is great. When the Nuggets are already having nine pass possessions in training camp during scrimmages and getting open threes out of it, you know that people are already on the same wavelength, and I think the Nuggets are going to hit the ground just running because they have so much continuity by far far the most continuity in the NBA. I think I think they're bringing back 94% of their total minutes from last year. And really the only people that they're adding in are Jeremy Grant and Michael Porter Jr. replacing Trey Lyles in the rotation. So Let's just talk about Michael Porter Jr. Has been around the team for a year, has verbally been been speaking about how he understands what this Nuggets team needs from him and how he's fully bought into providing that for the Nuggets. Additionally, he is just significantly better than Trey Lyles is. Beyond that, Jeremy Grant, the only real new addition to this Nuggets team, is just a perfect fit for this Nuggets team on and off the floor. An off-ball finisher offensively, can defend five positions defensively, can block shots, can switch on smaller players, can do a little bit of everything and off the court as low maintenance as it comes. He's been compared to Gary Harris on and off the floor already. So their continuity is very, very, very real and it's only going to improve as time goes along. So I do think that tomorrow night, Tuesday night, when the Nuggets finally had their first preseason game, I think you're going to see that continuity shine brightly. Um, And thinking of that, I think the biggest takeaway I have from training camp, the overall arching, looming thought process that has existed throughout those five, six days of camp is that this Denver Nuggets team is just ready to go. Training camp felt like so much more of just a formality this year than as an opportunity to finally get ahead of the curve. The Nuggets are already ahead of the curve. The Nuggets know they're good. The Nuggets have the continuity, and they know what they're going to be running on each end of the floor. It's time to get real competitive basketball started, and that will 
will begin Tuesday night. I will have a podcast up on 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 Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, um, Tuesday Monday night, maybe somewhere between late Tuesday and early um or early Tuesday and late Monday to basically preview the the Nuggets versus Blazers games. I'll talk about what to watch for and a few other things. I'll have that Michael Porter Jr. interview up there, and I'll also have an exclusive conversation with Michael Porter Jr. in terms of a story going up on milehighsports.com on Monday night, Tuesday morning as well. But to everybody who has followed along throughout all of my conversations, all of the content that I have created over the past four plus years, thank you so much. Please subscribe to the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast wherever podcasts are found. Let's get this thing building and let's get this season going. It has been endless amounts of fun talking with you guys. We'll have so much more to talk about in the near future. But until then, we will talk to you guys later. This has been the inaugural edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of MileHighSports.com and the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And this is me signing off. We will talk to you guys later. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet, with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com.